Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. I'm Richard Sverson. And I'm Anna Shvetska. Today we're back in London and joined by Wayne Bryan and Chris Eels. Wayne is an energy analyst at Alpha Energy, a gas expert who is a regular speaker at conferences around Europe, including our own. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you. Also joining us our very own Chris Eels, Montel's French bureau chief. A warm welcome to you, Chris. Hello, Richard. I see you're only wearing single denim today, not double denim. <laughs> that's that's positive. That's a yeah, nice way to start the pod, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, yeah we'll, we'll get on to fashion a bit later. Yeah, okay. because you're you're looking very interesting today. Lovely okay. cut of that. Uh, that reminds me of my, my jib. You uh, like my the cut of my jib from the yeah. uh, 1950s, I think it was. Yeah, very classy. Well, it, was, it was very classy, uncle. Is, is it, it secondhand? Is it, <laughs> anyway, thank you, thank you, Chris. <laughs> And listeners, we apologise for a lot of drilling uh, noise that's going outside of our window. They're trying to keep pace with the, the, the with us on the pod, but I, I don't think they quite managed it. Building a wall, aren't they? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's quite popular now. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're focusing on European gas issues, and we'll be tapping into Wayne's superior knowledge on these matters. Let's start where you know where gas prices are now, Wayne. I mean, they're at historic, also not historic, but multi-year lows. So why? What, what's happening? What's going on? And is this good news? Well, in terms of the good news, it's it's good news if you're an end user, if you're a producer. Uh, maybe it's not so much good news with prices at these levels. Uh, however, after last year, uh, when the market was in completely the opposite state in terms of pricing, I think they can live with that for the time being. Um, in terms of the prices where they are, I think it's fully justified at the moment. Um, if you look at all the factors now that are contributing to this price fall, we're looking at the oversupply of LNG, which for me is one of the primary reasons. We'll get back to that later. Yeah, of course. Um, also, as well, you look at the other fundamentals in terms of weather. Last year, towards the end, as everybody knows, we had the beast from the east that drained European storage levels. Um, also, as well, we had a record hot summer. Um, which had other effects on different parts of the market. We had problems with the French nuclear, river levels were heating up. Um, all in all, we actually had a lot of bullish issues uh, this time last year. And now we're seeing all the risk premiums that were built into the contracts. If you look at Q3, where the market sort of topped out, um, sort of October, November, uh, we've lost literally, if you look at it on a curve, we've lost all of that uh, upside premium. So, for example, looking at the summer 19 gas contract that's fallen by literally uh, half. Yeah, so the, this is all kind of the risk premiums that were here last year have disappeared and this is all basically fundamentally driven. Is there any regional variance here in terms of prices, say for example in other parts of Europe or uh, are the same factors? Looking at most of Europe, in fact the areas that I cover and my company we cover, um, we see in the same sort of downside on the curves if you i've got several charts that detail country by country calendars on one chart and you look at the shape it's pretty much the same spanish gas prices have really fallen now uh they're at lows we haven't seen for over a year and a half even italian gas has been a bit softer as well and that obviously notoriously is, is one of the most expensive uh, gas prices so in general regionally most markets are in a similar position because we're all benefiting from the the supply glut that is lng at the moment i mean this flurry of cargoes has been never-ending, really. I think last month we broke a couple of records. The first one was send-out. I think it was two Fridays or three Fridays ago. The amount of send-out, uh, LNG send-out, broke the all-time record. And in terms of cargo arrivals, 
uh, March thus far into Northwest Europe, it's been about 77, 78 cargoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the previous record was set in January, I think, at 52 cargoes. But that's this year. That's, that's I'm talking, but these, no, yeah, and they break records going back to as far as uh, the data is available, 2013. And where are these cargoes coming from? Well, they will touch more on energy later. But uh, Diversity has really been important. I mean, we've seen a lot of diversity, but Russia has been a, a, a really been ramping up their send out with the ship to ship transfers in Norway that have been occurring. Mm-hmm. And Yamal has exceeded expectations in terms of send out so a lot from Russia but you've got players like Angola Mozambique Peru we've seen a real diversity of cargo those cargoes are coming into Europe from Peru and Angola and US of course the US and don't forget South Hook made some technical changes that allowed it to receive cargoes that didn't just originate in Qatar and that's made a huge difference the UK terminal was only set up for Qatari gas and they made some technical changes, uh, I think, to oxygen levels that now we're receiving cargoes from all over the world into South Hook, which has really helped as well. But these, I mean, it's the oversupply that's hitting, that's driving the prices down across yeah. Europe. But, did the, I mean, Italy, Spain, are there other factors influencing this or is there... Spain's been a record importer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you mentioned the milder weather. Uh, you know, the, the French nuclear availability. Uh, we'll come back to that as well, Chris. But I think it's mainly in the southern European markets that it's, it's, the, it's the supply cuts. Yeah. What yeah. would you say then is the outlook going forward, Wayne? I mean, um, could prices go much lower? I think, if anything, going into Q2, um, we could see prices fall. But I, I don't see it falling massively. I mean, looking at the day ahead, will it get into the 20s? Um, mm. I'm not sure. Um, it's a possibility. We're not too far away from that. This is pence per therm. Yeah, yeah. So pence what's per the therm. euro? The, the euro megawatt hour equivalent of that would be um, okay. Uh, yeah, Un- around ten or under ten uh-huh. potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. I don't. I, I, it, it will need a lot for it to go that further because we're already at these really low levels and. We'll be looking at some tightness probably in Q3, but I think Q2 has got the potential. Tightness um, to in fall. Q3 because yeah. will be... Well, in Q3, there's a lot of maintenance going on. Okay. Um, there's a really heavy maintenance in Europe, uh, Norway and the UK especially. Yeah. Um, so that will feed into it. And also, Q3, you might see an uptick in demand from Asia um, ahead of the winter for restocking. So if that is the case, there's Q3 could be a little bit tighter and we could see a little bit of upside. Mm. However, we'll be going in mm. if all things uh, status quo remains the same and there's no shocks, mm. um, then we'll, we'll be going in from quite low levels uh, in terms of prices. So for me, the outlook is, is pretty much more of the same, mm. barring any you know mm. shocks that we're not quite aware of at the moment mm. and also renewables have been very strong this year mm. um germany uk wind has been a real good provider so that in tandem with lower demand has also been driving this uh, price as well okay. sure um let's look at france chris you know after all you live there i do live there richard that's very astute of you to point <laughs> yeah, out again yes. actually uh, okay. you didn't comment on wayne's uh Jacket, it's very nice. It's um, waistcoat, brown waistcoat, shirt and tie. But it's, it's so, not as so, classy so, as double denim. No, but it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's single a, denim. It's That's a step why up I, from I yours. had to mention it, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but moving <laughs> swiftly on to gas and French gas in particular. Uh, it's, a, it's a gas. <laughs> it's a gas, yeah. Um, but you would say the same factors are driving the French market, um, even though France, I mean, if we look on the power side, it doesn't really have that much gas fire generation. No, no, but the drivers are similar. You have pipe gas coming from Norway, uh, Russia, of course, and then you have four LNG terminals in France, in the south and the north, on the south coast and the north coast. So, but, as you said, 
prices f- following uh, from the Dutch hub, the most uh, liquid hub, the TTF. They really follow that, and so the prices have, have come right uh, come right down. They were they, they I think they peaked last year at something like uh, they were high last year, eighteen, and now they're down to fourteen or so. So they're the same drivers. I mean, Wayne's told you about this. There are the same drivers, but you asked about the gas fired power plants but they it does have an impact even though it's um it's a tiny proportion uh in terms of the overall generation it is important because for example last summer you touched on this Wayne, when we had nuclear availability we had problems with availability because of heat waves mm-hmm, yeah. which cuts generation at nuclear power plants mm-hmm. because there are t- uh, river temperature levels that have to be respected mm-hmm. and and these weren't respected so they cut generation when they cut generation what takes its place well actually last year it was gas fired you know uh, uh, power plants that took that, that were were uh, sparked up, yeah, um, and so units, yeah, says, yeah. peaking units mainly France, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, there in that case, it wasn't peaking units in a way because they were replacing nukes. Interestingly, uh, last year for some for some, so that has uh, that can have a does have uh, an impact. It's an it's an interesting difference with with France, I would say, um, because of the use of gas heating in France as well. Um, Maybe some of the but, imports from neighbouring countries is also gas fire generation yeah, in, in under yeah, those situations. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. but um, yeah. we've seen some nuclear disruptions in, in France, uh, as, as I mentioned by Wayne and, and by yourself, Chris. In, yeah. in the last two years, really, I'd say, yeah, two, yeah, seventeen. Two, seventeen has yeah. started. That was when it really first became yeah. apparent. What what's the outlook for this year, Chris? I mean, well, would you, you know, are we are we are we out of the storm? Well, uh, if you if you talk to EDF, they will tell you they are uh, out of the storm. Of course, they were they are experts in uh, in positive information. But um, the reality is probably not as rosy as they paint it. But it is still a better picture. We're looking at a better scenario than the one uh, two years ago, for example, when you had reactors closed. And um, you had technical problems with uh, too much carbon in your steam generators, which is a very bad thing. So anyway, you don't want too much carbon in your steam generators, uh, in the the steel in the steam generators. Let's be clear about this. Um, Anyway, so... so We have covered this in another podcast. We've covered this. We've covered this a bit. But what I will say is, which we also covered as well, but the interesting thing about this year, one of the interesting things is they've got seven 10-year visits. So they've got big outages lined up big nuke outages and we've confirmed that recently since I last spoke to you okay. in Gay Parry um, there are three already underway and f- uh, four left to do this year so that could you know there could be difficulties there could be extensions so that could hit um, could hit so that's uh, a potential uh, curveball then yeah. and so, you, so you've got the heat wave and you've got the yeah. it's a risk yeah. for me yeah it's a risk yeah. it's, it's yeah. definitely yeah. a risk yeah. but is yeah. it being priced in when I imagine there's some element of yeah, uh, French nuclear risk premium. Same for Belgium, even though they restarted Doel a bit earlier than was expected, which was a bit of a boost. Mm. Still, there's always going to be concerns. The market um, is looking... Sorry, Wayne, I cut you off, didn't no, I? No, carry on. The market's looking at Q4 now, right? Or, or, or possibly has been... For, for electricity generation. Yeah, for electricity generation. So mm. they're starting to worry about... I hear from traders they're starting to worry about uh, maintenance issues that could be... Yeah. You know, maintenance starting in the summer that could go into that's winter. the problem extensions yeah. are all even in the uk at the moment we have six out of our nine reactors out mm-hmm. and any, any no, only no, normal circumstance that mm. wouldn't would really be quite bullish but at the moment because 
of the low gas prices because of high renewables, because of low demand. It's not having a, as big an impact as it usually would. But again, these extensions uh, are always uh, a cause for fear, really. Absolutely. And even Japan, Japan is restarting. They're restarting, that, yeah. yeah. So that means that's also then lowering Asian gas demand. Correct. So, that's quite, so the, the, the nuclear element here is quite, is quite an interesting factor in, in the whole yeah. gas pricing yeah. dynamics isn't it same so. in south korea they restarted quite a few recently they had quite a lot of extended maintenance mm. so that's lowered their imports as well so yeah nuclear is a <clears throat> common theme a common um, throughout yeah. europe in both basins atlantic and pacific it's, mm. it has an impact mm. uh, on prices in in europe as well as uh, in asia so what do you see as the potential unforeseen factors here nuclear is one potentially uh are there any others Still i mean i know you haven't got a crystal ball yeah, Wayne, but yeah but uh, <laughs> um but are there any other sort of uh, curveballs that could potentially geopolitical disrupt? factors yeah i've been quite high at the moment and this is something we're looking at quite a lot because mm. they're affecting all markets mm-hmm. um oil you, gas yeah. power um you've got the u.s china trade talks that are ongoing mm. that are having an impact they could go wrong you've also got the geopolitical situation in north korea Uh, Even though things have smoothened out a bit, there's still a risk from that. What's going on in Venezuela? Throw in Libya. Uh, Mm. There's a lot of Brexit. Mm. There's a lot of uncertainty geopolitically, um, which could throw some curveballs. Also, as well, the Norwegian hydro issue, that's still a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, The the reserves are still probably below the the three or four year average now. I think they recovered of late, but the outlook still isn't. The snow melt season is just about to start anyway, or it's already starting, but yeah, sure. But their prices, if you look at the Cal 20 uh, Nordic contract, it's nowhere near where it usually is uh, this time of year. So for me, that's also a risk. And hydro levels in general across Europe are still not great. And that was another factor that we saw last year. And again, LNG, we could see a cut in LNG production if prices keep falling. I mean, the Asian price is now sub. Um, it's below the UK month ahead price and is also below $5. Um, so that, again, could have an impact. Same with the coal market. There's been, I say, rumours and talk of production cuts similar to OPEC in the coal market. So for me, there's a, there's a lot of factors that are still... Out there, and as we know, we can never rest on our laurels. We saw what happened with 40s. Mm. No one expected that, and that caused a huge spike. So, beast from the east. Well, rough. Rough. You know, there's been been many things over the years. And again, the summer, even though the forecasts at the moment don't support it, we could see another 40, 40, 45 degrees summer, and that caused caused chaos in the markets last year. You mentioned the geopolitical issues. I'd like to touch on another one, which is potentially the uh, sanctions on Nord Stream and, and Germany. Uh, how do you see that playing out and having an impact on on developments in in the gas market? I mean, the threat of sanctions on companies that are involved in, yeah. in the pipeline. I mean, you know, that's that's a certainly a big risk. That but... is a big risk as well, and I think mm. America are quite keen for this not to happen. Mm. Um, but I think the German Germany are keen for it to happen, and mm. so are several other uh, European players. For the pipeline. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for yeah. the pipeline, most definitely. Especially, I mean, Germany, I think they, they definitely are happy to have it. Um, 40, I think, 40% of their imports, gas imports, are from Russia. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I know they're trying to wean themselves off it, and they're looking to build LNG terminals now. And I heard Trump saying, oh, we'll send LNG to Germany, we'll send it to Europe. Mm. You don't want to become an over-reliant on Russian gas. But I, I see it happening. There's been... A lot invested in it. A pipeline part of it's already been built or is, is continuing yeah, to be built. Yeah. So for me, it will happen. But there will be some 
bumps in the road, so to say. Does Germany need LNG terminals? I mean, we've got a massive overcapacity of LNG terminals. I mean, Chris mentioned the ones in France. There's several in, in Spain. I mean, taking Europe as a whole, I mean, there's over 200 BCM of capacity, and a lot of that is, is underutilized. I mean, the vast majority of it, isn't it? So yeah. why build new LNG well, terminals? when they've got no coal, what are they going to do? So yeah. I think yeah. this, is, this is preparing for that. Obviously, mm. they've got a lot of generation to replace. So I think import terminals are needed uh, in Germany and it gives them access to this market. So, so for me, yeah, mm. I, think, I think Nord Stream will go ahead and I think the LNG terminals, I think they're looking at building four at least, uh, mm. they'll go ahead as well. Um, mm. You mentioned order. Brexit. What, what, I mean, uh, it's a, if, if anything is coming clearer, it's, uh, it's a, the, the mod. <laughs> Not Brexit, please. No, just a slight touch on it, Chris. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, what, how, I mean, a, a no deal on the 12th of April? Carbon. Uh, for me, car- I guess carbon. It's carbon. the link with carbon. I yeah. mean, yeah, we all know that if if we have a hard Brexit, uh, that's very bad news for carbon. Mm. Um, there's a lot of positions that the UK players hold that will get unwound. Um, there's also as, the also the, the the yeah. I mean, not only positions being unwound, but also the the, the permits as well uh, being dumped back into the market. So that wouldn't be great for carbon. So that will have an effect. Whereas obviously a positive uh, deal I think some of that's already priced in now but a positive deal is good for carbon mm. still don't think it's going to hit the 35 that a lot of people seem to talk about last year um, the, the euros a ton for yeah, carbon yeah, I, yeah. I, it might tr- trade towards 30 but I'll, I'll be amazed if it gets to 35 it's quite comfortable in that 20 to yeah, 23 range now, sideways yeah, range yeah, bound yeah, now yeah, for yeah. the past few months and also you've got to look at some other factors for carbon like low coal generation like mm. warmer weather etc yeah. and economic concerns so What's the outlook for demand? I mean, we talked a little bit about supply, you know, LNG, Norway, UK, etc. Where's the potential demand growth for gas? I mean, given Europe has a real, you know, really ambitious climate targets, both for renewables and for carbon emissions, where does gas fit in? I don't see demand following its traditional upwards slant. Mm. Um, I think some of that is attributed to the simple things like energy efficiency, like renewables, um, but also as well, in terms of that, you've got to look at the economic, the broader economic situation. You look at the PMIs, they're not great. You look at all the production numbers, not only coming out of Europe, but also China, they're not great. So I think a lot of companies are struggling. Um, future orders, struggling. Brexit's going to have impact. So I think a lot of the industrial gas demand will start to fall. So we might see some little upticks in demand, but I don't see the overall trend uh, for gas anyway. Um, rising that much so i don't see demand growth prospects as being that great in france chris what's the outlook for for gas demand there i know you touched on biogas or kind of um you know i think there that's potentially a growth area there isn't it that people are looking at biogas is is insignificant at the moment but it is an issue because uh, of the uh, desire to de so-called decarbonize and so you've got to find ways to use to have green gas and now uh, the country has set out in its energy path some targets for this uh, green gas if you like um, which are not very high according to uh, some observers and analysts um, and so that's going to be an issue going forward that's that's definitely a, um, a current subject of debate I mean, there's a big, huge challenge, isn't there, replacing, you know, natural gas that's being produced in vast quantities with basically with, you know, methane from cow effluent and uh, animal effluent and also food waste 
and hydrogen, I suppose. Methane, hydro, and hydro, something yeah. that's in Asia where they're, where they're taking it out of ice. Mm. Uh, that's another form of uh, potential uh, gas. So, and, and then these are renewables. So this would be a green gas as well. So it would be part of the renewables targets in a sense on the gas side. But do you see gas as a kind of bridging fuel? There's a lot been talked about the bridge from, from the present fossil fuel world into the renewables world and gas will see us through, uh, through that period. Uh, is that how you see it, Wayne? I don't see gas as a bridging fuel person. I think it's here to stay uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And but you look, ha- at, you look ha- at the investments in gas mm-hmm. around the world and that, mm-hmm. in terms of LNG and but, even but gas sh- efficiency of better efficient plants, I don't see gas as a bridging fuel. It will, and basically all the coal, the fallout from all the coal now, coal's mm-hmm. um, being cut in many countries over mm-hmm. the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, mean, so, if, I mean, certainly, in, I mean, if we're talking Europe, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's correct, but... If we're going to meet those very ambitious targets, keep ourselves to 1.5 degree um, change in, in temperatures, global temperatures, then then is there a role for gas? I mean, what do you think, Chris? I think that it's going to be um, it's going to be tough, isn't it? On both sides, it's tough to do it. Tough to do without it, yes, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yes, but there is a, apparently there's a willingness to go down the line, go down the path of decarbonisation. So, but. But Wayne, what you're saying is you don't think that that's really going to have much impact. No, maybe longer term. Uh, so new, new, 2030, maybe. Yeah, new yeah. technologies and, and increased renewables. But you're, like you said, you're still going to need it. I mean, it might be used as baseload or backup, but you're still going to need it. Mm. And why would all these all this infrastructure be spent on pipelines, terminals, a lot of um, LNG uh, projects, FIDs are being passed? Mm. Why would all this investment be happening if it's only a bridging fuel for the next 10 years? Who, why would you invest in it? Is that bad news for the planet then? I mean, this is off subject possibly, but that making all these investments stranded assets, I don't know whether, you know, what, uh, whether that's a, that's a good move or, or not. We're onto something here as well, I think, Wayne, with you know, the, the switch from coal to gas fire generation. And I think in certain lot countries now in Europe, there's a, the, the gas plants are back in the money. Mm. Um, Asia. Uh, and in Asia mm-hmm. as well. Um, now, where is gas? I mean, this this fuel switching occurring because it's not happening everywhere. No. I mean, if we if we keep to Europe, I and mean, where in Europe do you see it? You know, uh, do you see it most most happening? Well, it can happen in in several countries, and again, it depends on price. Mm. The price will incentivize that. I think some say TTF around fourteen. I've seen some say twelve and a half okay. will incentivize incentivize more fuel switching. Yeah. Uh, so and we're there now. We, yeah, there's yeah, some fuel well, switching. Yeah, there's evidence yeah, of it already yeah. happening now. Yeah. yeah. Where, where's the evidence of that? Um, there's some switching going on, definitely uh, in Germany. Right. Um, maybe in other parts of Europe as well. But there is some evidence of switching already happening. I think mm. that will continue. Mm. Okay. But again, it depends on demand levels as well. And the coal price is still falling. Mm-hmm. Um, coal's under similar pressure to gas if you look at some of the fundamental reasons why the coal market is where it is it's mm. kind of similar situations high storages low demand mm. um so yeah i think there's there's definitely potential for more switching over the summer but again it depends on a raft of factors for me and has the the carbon price floor in the uk helped this the the, the move to more gas fire generation obviously it's put coal out the money but it's yeah. also a contributing factor with low gas prices yeah, yeah definitely you know, yeah, 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 yeah it's a definite factor yeah. Demand. We we touched upon demand in Europe, but obviously demand in Asia. 
plays a key role here. What have we seen happening over recent years, Wayne? Um, because it's obviously a key price for European, I mean, a key price driver for European yeah. uh, markets. What, what's, what's happening in China, Japan, and Korea? You mentioned Japan and Korea with the nukes coming back well, online. Japan, but, yeah. but China is a big, I mean, there's a, that's a key market. It's really very for, key. Yeah. It's key for a lot of the markets, gas. Mm. You know, it's key for coal. Well, obviously, China, everyone knows about the, the coal to, aggressive coal-to-gas switching program that's still mm. occurring. Yeah. Um, also, as well now, for, for China, they managed to get to a level, which is one of the reasons why we've seen so much LNG. Mm. Their storage levels are really full now. They are incentivized or incentivized or told to, you know, let's get these storages full ahead of the winter that we're now back, back to exit. We're now exiting that winter, and them, like us, had a very mild winter. Mm. So they've also got a storage overhang. Now we're in the shoulder season, but typically we might see a pickup as we move into Q3. Uh, but again, it depends. Again, how's the winter going to turn out in Asia? Uh, that's going to have a huge bearing. But the good thing is they've already got really good levels of storage mm. of gas they haven't used uh, over the past six months. So for me, their demand will still be there. Uh, if you look at some of the broader economic numbers, again, you've seen their growth is falling. Mm. Uh, also, you've got to look at China in terms of renewables. They're, they've got some pretty impressive um, projects that have been completed or being completed that are going to have a huge effect. Um, You've seen they've got three gorges, the world's largest hydro. They're building the world's largest floating solar, the world's largest solar farm. They're building a lot of the world's largest installations, wind. They're making real efforts for that. Energy efficiency, that's a big drive. So I think for them, what they're doing is having a huge bearing on what we're seeing uh, in the Atlantic, basically. I suppose they don't have the... uh the hindrances of, of going through the whole permit uh, processes. No. No, so they, they don't NDRC really care. Yeah, exactly. say something, <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, exactly, it generally yeah. happens. But that's the only thing about China that's a concern. There are always inter- interventions, mm. policy interventions that happen consistently, like the in- minimising of imports of coal now. Mm. If you look at uh, some of the terminals, Qingdao probably pronounced that wrong, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of ships there waiting um, for clearance, not just Australian ships. Just in general, they're really clamping down uh, so on imports like, for someone like you Wayne sorry to, mm. to, to interrupt that it, it must you know getting into the minds of the people driving Chinese energy policy is is, is quite a challenge it's, here yeah. because it's such a key important factor of the yes. markets but you, they, yeah. they throw kind of you know throw spokes into the it's wheel it's quite yeah. hard to, yeah. to get I actually met someone from the NDRC uh, at a conference about two months ago and she put together a very comprehensive presentation which was it was really good to see mm. and there again if i reading that presentation they're talking about how they want to really slash coal usage because of the smog and i've been to beijing the smog was quite horrific to be mm. honest mm. um not only in beijing there's other big cities as well and they're also looking into lng powered trucks mm. they're making a, a lot of a lot of ground i mean clean air is quite a it's, movement it's, isn't it, China, it's isn't a it? big I mean, you, thing it was in london in the in the 1950s i don't know do you remember that chris or uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that that's what drove coal out of uh, coal, you know the, yeah. uh, drove basically a decline in coal fired generation with, within london but so that's happening in china on a, on a vast on a vast scale, vast, scale, vast scale. scale so that's really uh having a huge impact on the market and the same with Japan hmm. economic reasons it was costing them a lot of money they were the number one importer hmm. of LNG um, they're not anymore and again I think they're up to nine reactors now hmm. there's still public uh, opinion isn't great towards it however the economic benefits are, are there to see hmm. and like China they're also making a bit of gains in renewables and same for South Korea hmm. um, their demand has also gone a bit down recently but 
we'll probably see it pick back up again. I think Q3 will be the, the time. It will be the key mm. moment uh, for me. And there's also a lot of oversupply in terms of projects. So. I'm gaining a hint here from producer Anna that it's uh, time to, yeah. to wrap things already? up. Already? Uh, already. I'm, Did you, know. you mention Anna's uh, jumper? It doesn't look like a bad TV screen, does it? Uh, not, not from where I'm sitting, Chris. Uh, no, no, no. But thanks, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, yeah, we're back on to fashion. We can and fashion, yeah, fashion and energy. Yeah, we won't, we won't invite Chris then. I think. Um, but uh, but anyway, moving back to to the matters, the gas matters. We talked about LNG, a little bit about piped gas. But I mean, in light of all this oversupply and the glut coming into Europe. How, how is Gazprom reacting? I've seen it's, it's selling a lot via its electronic sales platform. Yeah. And what's going on here? So it's not really, you know, it's not coming into the spot markets. It's coming straight into this, this auctions, the sales, the auction, their, their auctions. own auctions. Yeah. What, 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 what does this represent? What kind of... What, well, they, what? Just, they just want to get rid of volume, don't they? If you look at Gazprom, I think their strategy has been quite aggressive. Yeah. I think their sales into Europe are up 3% this year thus far um, and I think that's going to continue they really want to make their presence felt and if you look at it it's like a you've got Russia you've got Norway and you've got America and it's like a three-way battle now uh, mm. of who can get the most gas into Northwest Europe so it's all about market share mm. um, for me at the moment and I think that's going to continue mm. again we might see you know spanner in the works over the next yeah. month or two when the prices start getting if they start really coming under more pressure mm. um, and we see them in the 20s which mm. could happen mm. then we might see you know some maintenance is being extended not only in russian and norway uh, but also in lng mm. there's talk of extended maintenances now because mm. we're looking at a real uh, bit of oversupply at present Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think Gazprom will continue. They're, I think it's more of a, they just want to get their gas into Europe. They, want, they want to keep to that, that reliance. Market share. Market share for them is, yeah. Yeah, is very So important. would you recommend to your customers to lock in the prices at the moment? <laughs> or would you, would you <laughs> the tell them? The question. <laughs> it depends on, I mean, we risk manage clients. So we mm. have some, you know, mm. with different strategies. It depends on how risk averse you are. But me mm. personally, if it was my business, mm. I'd definitely be floating uh, Q2. Mm. Uh, and again, looking at the winter now, it's still quite an attractive price. If you look at where the price was, mm. it, it was a real high point. So those that held their nerve and didn't get stopped out or didn't lock in their volumes because they felt it was going to fall, then, then yeah, I mean, it's still a, it's still a good time to secure volume. Um, but going into Q2 is, was where I see the weakness. After that, Q3, I mentioned there's extended maintenance. I mentioned there could be some new new factors in the market. You don't know where the hydros are going to be. You don't know where French nuclear is going to be. Mm. Is the LNG slowdown going to happen? If it does, apparently Q3 is where it's going to happen. Mm. Storage is still in good position, but who knows again, next month or two, we could see a return mm. of some cold weather. But as it stands now, yeah, the Q2 for me looks like it's a continuation, but after that, we could see a bit of upside. So for me, yeah. We'll have to invite you back in Q2 then, Wayne, I think. Yeah, yeah please um, do. I'm afraid we've run out of time. So, I mean, it's been a great pleasure to have you here, Wayne. Thank Thanks you very much. Th- thank you thank you very much for joining us. And a great pleasure as well, Christopher. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll meet again. We'll meet again. Don't know when. <laughs> and thank you to producer Anna. To thank keep, you, Anna. Keep, keeping thank you, Anna. Keep listening to the Montel podcast uh, and follow us on Twitter and on Montel News. Or for all the latest energy news, lots and lots of gas-related issues. Thank you very much. Thank you.